welcome to the Paul and Alvin Show. Today we have a guest. His name is Henry Allen. Together, the three wise men discuss the role of creativity within the uncertain future of theatre, painting, photography and the arts in general. Nobody really knows where humanity is heading, and they clearly don't know either. But despite the thick fog that engulfs our destiny, they come up with food for thought, the old smug statement, and an almost childlike wonder for the dazzling beauty of life. So lean back in your comfy chair and enjoy the show. So, dear, dear listeners, uh, let me introduce the, uh, the new guest today. His name is Henry Allen. He is uh, a theatre director and he got stranded. He will tell his own story, obviously. And uh, we're very welcome to, well, very um, happy to welcome him because uh, our show is sort of getting a little, little annoyingly, uh, um, well, what say really. Yes, <laughs> monosyllabic, repetitive maybe. And uh, anyway, uh, Henry, welcome. I hope you did your homework because uh, today we're going to talk about art, religion, and philosophy, and uh, the role of music in the community and. Uh, and the deep state and cricket in Scotland. So welcome. Wow. Yeah. Hi, well, everything but cricket is, is my biography. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> everything but cricket. That's going to be the name of my memoir. I think everything but cricket. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good start. But um, as you know, you may don't you maybe don't know, but we have a, a huge audience in uh, in East Europe. Uh, so they won't know anything about cricket, probably. But uh, my first question would be, how would you describe yourself? How would I describe myself? Well, I'm quite tall. Um, I'm, I'm bearded at the moment. Um, I think I'm a good person and, and um, heart-centered and... and Wanting to be a helper in a chaotic world of that. Wow, that's good. That's way better than me and Alwyn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a reason for everything. Yeah, that's why he's on the show. Thank God we've got a guest. <laughs> yes. So, how well, did you? Um, so what do did you do? What? What? what in, in the world of where you live, what? What's your life involve? Well, it's, it involves a lot of sleeping in <laughs> and um, staying up late and, um, you know, walking around the, the mountains and, and ponds of the area. Yeah. Just being submerged in a world that is, uh, feels like a, a bit of a bubble here. Yeah. In a good way. Clearly not Spanish. No, I'm American by birth. Um <laughs> But I'm not limited by that. <laughs> uh, I I grew up uh, in a number of countries. Uh, my father was a cultural diplomat for an agency of, of the U.S. government that no longer exists. USIA, the U.S. Information Agency, that uh, from the '60s through the '80s, I would say mostly. Um, and then maybe a little bit into the 90s, um, they were the propaganda wing of the U.S. government to promote American culture, in a quote. Yeah. What is that? And uh, what is that? It's all appropriated, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Wrapped in a red, white, and blue ribbon. 
Right. But um, it was interesting. It was really interesting looking at my birth country from a PR lens, you know. Um, and this was at a time before there was even McDonald's outside the U.S. Remember those days? Good God, yeah. I remember the first one ever coming to the U.K. to Oxford yeah. Street, and people queued up for ages just to get a burger. Mm. A bur burger? Are we talking about burgers? Yeah, burger. All oh, right. No, because it was the, on 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 the picture of, of yesterday's show, uh, the hamburger. Mm. Right. Full circle moment. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, meant to be. It's that's clearly an, another indication that uh, the cosmos has, uh, you know, an, an under, <laughs> underlying matrix. No, but I wondered. Have, have you have you have you even seen it, Paul? The burger on our show for front? No. Hey. Not today. I haven't downloaded anything all day because I haven't. I've been trying to find the charger for the phone. I only just found it five minutes ago, so I'm still plugged in, trying oh, to get right. power off the grid. Yeah. Um, so I haven't downloaded anything. So I have no idea what yesterday's show sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll continue with uh, you know the uh, Henry Allen interview. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, how did you? Well, maybe it's like it would be fun if you could tell people why did you ended up in um, first of all being my neighbor, literally like I think two kilometers. You know, it must be must be two and a half thousand meters uh, apart. Yeah. Although we cannot have coffees together or see each other together because the small village of by the name of Arroyo Molinos is in in lockdown. So it's very localized well, it's now, right? A perimeter block, meaning yeah, that, that nobody in or out. Yeah. But within the village, we can all wander around and, you know, be aimless and, and go to the cafe and Big so cakes. forth. But, um, hmm. So it's kind of like a free prison. Yeah, you know, I was thinking that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's precisely what it feels like. <laughs> and thank goodness we have, you know, the fields and the mountains and, you know, places to, to really breathe and, and walk because uh, that makes all the difference, really. Um, There's a really interesting theory around this in terms of how, do you, how you get... Um, It was built up by a guy called Axelrod, Robert Axelrod, I think it was. And he called those sorts of... Um, experiences bounded uncertainties mm. so you have a frame of reference that holds everything together but then inside it anything can happen and yeah. it's uh, it's really interesting because it often it's uh, it's quite a creative place you know yeah you know i i'm 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 one of those creative people and, and my mind has been churning and I've had nothing but fresh air and time on my hands and um <laughs> You know, that does sort of birth a lot of ideas. The challenge is that my industry, which is primarily theater, um, tanked completely, and there's no idea or indication of when it will open up again to where we can be active. So now is the planning time and the creating time, and um, a lot of people are, are doing that and thinking outside the box and doing... Um, like Zoom plays and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely... Uh, the, the other challenge, though, that I found talking to a lot of other creatives is that they're feeling completely um, like they've hit a wall of creativity. Like they can't... They can't conceive of any new thoughts or... or uh, you know, the, the, the fear and the uncertainty, as you say, and the... Uh, And that seems to block creativity. 
that provides the opportunity. Right, I was going to ask you, what, what was it that they're sort of citing as the reasons? Yeah, so it's just the anxiety of the time. Well, and I think that, that COVID is actually a very interesting manifestation of of, of what what we need to look at as, as humanity, not to get too deep, <laughs> but... Um, you know, it hits our our source of inspiration, our lungs, literally, our, our source of inspiration and expression. And so I, I'm thinking that, you know, there, there's something to that, that there's a symbolic aspect of this time that uh, sort of reflects what we need to work on globally, you know. Mm. But I think that's why people get hung up, is because of uh, it's again this energy that COVID is is manifesting in the world. It makes it hard to breathe. You know, it's no no mistake that that breath is is coming into the, the world dialogue. Even George Floyd, you know, I can't breathe. That kind of a thing. It's I've noticed that, and um, uh, there's something certainly something theatrical to create around that theme. I think. Yeah. That's a primal scream, isn't it? What is, yeah. Paul? Primal? Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, the first thing we do, isn't it? We ah, yeah, to we take breath and then make the noise. Take a breath and it's the last thing we do. So there's something really quite uh, poignant about, yeah, like you say, the fact that COVID takes it, attempts to take it away from us. Or but, literally um, takes it away from us, yeah. But I, w I was thinking, have you both? Do you both remember the series that was called, that was called the the Prisoner? It was an English series in the nineteen seventies. Does that ring a bell? Uh, when the world was black and white. Yeah, I, I kind of vaguely remember it. Vaguely. Well, then we'll we'll drop that. Um, <laughs> it's a long time ago, Alwyn. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll go somewhere else. I was thinking this morning <laughs> and about thinking. Um, is I was wondering if if thinking could be a form of masturbation. I would like to throw that out and then see what, what, what you could comment on that. If thinking, the act of thinking, mm -hmm. can be equated to masturbation? Mm -hmm. huh. You've got too much time on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> or see, something. There, there is a relationship, I told you. Yeah. Uh, well, it doesn't lead, it oh. seem to lead anywhere either. So, um, right. Um, no, but it's... Well, it's you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm a collaborator at heart. And the kind of work that I do in my, in my craft, in my theater, is also highly collaborative. And one of the first conversations I have with my company before launching a project is that collaboration is like an orgy and nobody likes a masturbator at an orgy wow <laughs> I did, so, that opens a whole I don't, I don't say that to children but but i know this program I is for 18 plus so don't worry about 18 that plus, i know yeah. but I, I work with children a lot but i don't say that to them right um but they but you know it, it, i think it depends on on the intention behind the thinking doesn't mm. it if it's meant to be um, in, in the greater good, if it's all about the, you know, the self, the capital S, then maybe it could be construed that way. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Well, I think that there's something that's been playing in my head while I've been talking about 
the the theatre of alienation. You know, mm. who was the guy that did Waiting for Godot? What was his name? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but um, the whole idea, you know, like, the names go out of my head. But yeah, I know hanging around forever in a in a pile, basically, and oh, it'll come to me at some point, probably tomorrow. That the name of the fellow that put put the play together. But um, the, the moment will actually trigger quite an interesting sort of line of creative activity or thematic range of activity to do with the the relationship between isolation and community. It sounds like a sort of contradiction in terms, but we, in some ways, have got better at, co at community as a consequence of being isolated because we value it. Samuel Beckett. Seriously. Sorry. That's it, Samuel Beckett. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the sort of, you know, the idea of theatre coming together to, to create something and celebrate together a, a, a collective creative activity... Mm -hmm. um, I can understand the sort of torment of what you must be going through if you're so used to that being the life the things that bring you energy and life force and yeah. stuff but at the same time it's also an interesting moment to, to redefine it maybe Exactly, and that's what we're. That's sort of the um, the global conversation that we're having in the theater world is how you know it's not ever going to be the same, and it'll take a while for people to come back to feel safe, to come back into a theater space together to experience that collaboration because it's not only what's happening on stage. Obviously, it's with the audience as well. Sure. And um, well, I also you know, there are ways. In the lead up to a performance or a performance, yeah. I mean, the amount of time and effort that goes in, that's never really seen, it's only seen in the performance itself. But all oh, that yeah, all the and, and you know, costumes, lighting, sound design, set yeah. design, um, choreography, even stage management what happens, mm. you know, coordinate what happens behind the curtain and then up in the technical booth. You know, I mean, it's quite a, a feat. To produce theater, and and so we're we're thinking about novel ways. Everyone and their mother are doing Zoom plays now, um, you know. And I, I, there are challenges with that. Anytime you're doing a, a recording that involves multiple people or even a live microphone, is going to fight for the dominant sound. So it's really hard to have any overlap in conversation or or give it any kind of organic feel or have musical underscoring, anything like that. Um, Can you not do that in three in, in virtual reality? Yeah, you know, I'm playing with that idea. Um, unfortunately, there are few people who are versed in the virtual worlds that, that, that would re and the learning curve is going to be pretty steep. I've, I've had a lot of experience in, in virtual reality, um, uh, and and I see a lot of potential, even for rehearsing and yeah. blocking, you know, and design, all of that. Um, so that's definitely a possibility. It's in the realm of possibility, and maybe now that, that we are all sort of on lockdown in this way, um, 
it's a, a good time to do that kind of a training. So I'm actually looking into that. I'm, I'm wondering a little bit about where, where all this is heading because um, as we said jokingly this morning um, I think yeah I think we did uh, that everything is becoming virtual um, as uh, some people know I run a small foundation here in this village this sort of like an art museum and I organize exhibitions from artists and right now there's one going on with um, of a painter and a photographer and the very few people that are coming obviously because nobody travels anymore so um, what I also frequently see is that uh, galleries now work on internet as well. They've also become virtual in the sense that if you want to buy a painting, you, you log in into the website and then you get this, this specially designed uh, pages that, that run you through like, a, like a, a 3D space. So you can, you know, you shift your phone, and you can go left and you can go right and you can zoom in on, on the paintings and then maybe even eventually buy one. But it, it feels so, so like no to me, you know, it's, it, I would never buy a painting to begin with from a, from through the phone. And, um, and the whole experience of, 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 you know, the museum experience, and I personally like that because there's the silence in museum spaces, you sit down or you can stand in front of a work and let it speak to you and stuff. So all that is gone. And uh, this is just, just, you know, paintings and art, but let alone theaters to, to get all that compressed in a smartphone. Um, obviously, if there's not, nothing else, well, why not? But there's, there's so much junk at the same time, because as you said, you know, everybody's doing Zoom. So it's like, you know, everybody's become a photographer. Everybody knows how to make films. So Instagram right. and YouTube, it's all over the place. So we're all artists now. So if you talk about, you know, if you launch an, an, an exhibition of somebody, it's like, well, you know, uh, my mother also, uh, she's really good in uh, whatever, you know. So I get <laughs> yeah. that constantly. You know, I have an aunt, you know, even in my own exhibitions, <laughs> which is great. You're standing, you know, with your champagne in your hand, you know, inaugurating your exhibition that you've worked for for a year and a half and then people come up and they say, you know, my daughter lives in uh, Germany and she's really good painter, painter. I should, would like you to show your, her work to you and uh, maybe you can um, <laughs> advise some gallery and think, yeah, well, maybe, but you know, I'm now here for this. Anyway, long story short, so the, the, the virtuality of everything and is, is, is now polarizing us as human beings on a total level. So on the one hand, you're walking around in your little village, and, and so do I, two kilometers away, but without the possibility of even seeing each other or you know, sharing a, 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 a visual, physical visual. Um, right. Strange world. So I don't know. So, you know, interesting? Yeah, sure. In, on, in, 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 I, I in, have a very different view of that. I mean, right, I great. I kind of disagree with you almost entirely. Oh, right, nice. Like that. Um, because Bring because it on. I would much rather everybody wanted to be an artist than wanted to be a banker or a soldier or, you know, engage in something which, frankly, is destructive. So even if they're the worst... From, from from the no, not the worst. They're just really rubbish at it. It doesn't really matter. I think what's great about it is they're having a go. And yeah, I can understand if you're going to some sort of fancy do where there's obviously some acclaimed artist who's showing something, then you're not going to boast that you're the you're just as good. You know, it's a stupid thing to do. But on the other hand, not to do it is kind of sad because it's it's possibly the only ways that lots of people can really cope with the mess we're in is to find creative 
outlets and and that 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 matters i think yeah no I, I mean otherwise it's just a I cannot, elitist sort of game no it's not elitist no it's not what it's about and it's not the intention of the story i i told either no it's more the fact that that when you have dedicated your life to art and and you know investigated then there's obviously also you know a learning process in it of course and yeah. um and it's, I mean, creativity, absolutely. I think it's the, the probably what, what will, will save the world in the end to be creative. But it just, it put the whole art world is, is sort of like, you can see, you know, whether you may, maybe we're all wrong being artists or, or trying to be. Maybe we should just no longer call ourselves artists or, or you know, just, just what do you do? Well, I paint or, or something. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's apparently um, everything is being restructured now. And um, yeah, maybe Henry, do you have a vision on this before I uh, get into trouble well, with a nonsensical monologue? <laughs> I think it's a very exciting time because it it gives us a chance, as and I say us as humanity, to sort of reevaluate um, our ripple effect in the world and how we use language. I think um, creativity is inherent to our humanity. I look at you know, a, a person's life could be art. My grandmother used to say, honey, you're an artist if you're making art. So I think she's right. I think she, there has to be a certain consciousness and will behind it um, in order to to achieve a certain degree of, of artistry and craft. And, you know, it depends on who's defining it, too. I know people who are, you know, living in, in shanties in the favelas of Brazil who are, are masters at the art of cuisine, mm. the way they manipulate ingredients, um, you know, or even taking uh, materials and, and reforming them into something spectacular. I mean, we see it all over the world. So I, I think it's an inherent part of our humanity. It's just how how do we um, how do we reflect it? Those of us who are living it in a way that gives other people permission to do the same and see it through a different lens. You know, I think you can be a a, a bricklayer and artistic about it. You know, sure. But the boundaries seem to be vanishing, and maybe that's a great thing. But you know, for example, the Zoom thing. I mean, everybody is is doing stuff now. Is 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 that stuff interesting? And is it done with, with the intention of? I think artists, at least for myself, is basically trying to investigate what life is, and in such a way that it that it creates a, a, a semi universal universal language that other people can understand. And it you know, and it works a bit in the field of, of the aesthetics and. Uh, and serve certain technical um, impositions. And uh, obviously, you know, it's like I said, with photography, you had the, the wonderful photographers, you know, that we know, uh, you know, from... Uh, and, and then you have all the other millions of people who, you know, just, just make pictures. So maybe it's the end of photography in that respect. Uh, or... No, I think it's, it's just evolving. I don't the, think it's the end of anything in that regard. I think it's just the next... It's just another sort of branch of a series of things that go on you know it's just sure. human beings going through being human in different ways and the end of something yeah. is the beginning of something else yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean it, it, 
I hear an angst in your voice, Alwyn, about like a lost world, and I'm not sure that that's really what you are saying. I, I, I must be mishearing it, but no, I, I mean, I I'm exploring. I'm, I'm actually no, I'm exploring the the the. the um, no, it's not angst for a lost world. No, uh, and, and if it's a lost world, well, then there's a new one somewhere. So that's that's not important. Mm. No, it's it's. Um, no, I'm I'm really I'm really wondering and and I have to ponder about this 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 thing. You know what 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 is it is an artist? Maybe the the whole concept of being an artist is uh, has become obsolete. It's a possibility. Is there a difference between being a creative and being an artist? No, I don't think so. It's just another word for the same thing. Yeah. Do you think that every human being is creative in their way? In their way, yes, maybe. Okay, so sure. is everyone an artist in their way as well, potentially? Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah, sure. But yeah, but when I look at the, you know, the the what the housewife do with the embroidery here in the village, I, I I still think that there's a difference in between what they do and you know and some other people that. Uh, but then maybe it's just the way it comes out. Maybe their embroidery is is also worth. Um, to be exhibit, <laughs> exhibited in the local town hall, of course, because I don't think it will get to the Prada Museum, unless maybe it should. Unless that's the goal of the person who's creating it. You know, I think that that's a big part of it. I, um, you know, I know that, that working with children a lot and having had a child myself, you know, I, mm. I took the work that he brought home and gave to me from school, finger painting and really rudimentary. Um, fortunately, he went to a, a Steiner school, a Waldorf school. So it wasn't, you know, macaroni and cotton balls glued to a paper plate. It was actually quite beautiful. Right. And, um, and I hung it on my wall with pride as if it were, you know, equivalent to a gallery portrait. But, but that was his, that was all he wanted. Was was for me to look at it and be proud, and and I think that's the same with with adult artists and creators, right? It depends on the the will behind it and the vision behind it. What do you want to achieve with this piece or or collection? Um, if people want to be shown and known that way, then great. If they don't, also great. If they want to do it part part time and not. You know, I mean, there's a lot of brilliant folk art out there, for instance, that's untrained and... and oh, is there um, ever? Yeah. It's, I don't know, but well, I'm probably in, in England the same, but here in Spain, it's it's, ooh, it's all over the place. I love folk art. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I'll, I spent the day making a dry stone wall today, and um, it's it's an interesting thing to do in the sense that you, you're kind of constructing something from whatever rocks you can find around you and you put them together and it's a bit like a sort of crazy jigsaw puzzle in three dimensions because some of the rocks work with it and the other rocks and others don't and then you've got to have it going upwards obviously because it's a wall and it has to serve a purpose for me anyway uh, to keep animals in but and, and uh, it's a thing of beauty that's been created during the day i'm very proud of it but I would never dream of wanting it to go into an art gallery. Start with you'd have to take the bloody thing down and put it up again, and it's take me all day to do this, so I wouldn't want to do it again. But but um, it has a it has a beauty 
you know, in its own right. Sure. Uh, and that's enough, you know. And I, I kind well, of it's think enough for you. Of, but I kind of think that's what a lot of people do. You know, there are a lot of people just do it, do it for the hell of it. And just, they just like doing it. And it's kind of nicer than sitting in front of the television or something, you know. So it's a, it's a conduit to, like we said yesterday, I think, you know, or the day before, getting these things going and working is a conduit to some other way of being isn't dependent on the the commerce of the of the world we're in. Would you say that the same would hold true for meditation? Yeah, I guess so, because it's a practice, isn't it? You de- you're deliberately putting time to something. Yeah. And, and, to, and something that's inherently therapeutic and meditative, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be for therapy or for meditation, no, but it has to like a bath. You know, just is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I had a point attached to that. <laughs> oh, it's it's it's, a, it's an added an added view. Hmm. But then then you, then you see, I always come back to my you know what would nature do question, which is my sort of default position on pretty much everything and you look around and you think okay I don't know I see that I see animals doing that you know the animals that live with me in this this homestead uh, they they kind of do that as well you know they play they do stuff like chase around after leaves and I don't know find lovely little spots to sit and chill out and do chicken yoga and things like that and so I don't think we're unique in this. I think it's it's characteristic of life. Oh, definitely it is. You know, the, I was seeing a program the other day in a, about birds in in Madagascar, and then, when you see what the uh, paradise birds are 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 putting up right. a show in order to, to, to seduce the the ladies, and uh, even if there are no ladies, they're still they're they're actually actually practicing and it was really funny to see you know how they wiggle their their feathers and the, the, the weirdest birds by the way and on on that island yeah. just amazing yeah, they, they've they've you know the evolution they've grown the most extraordinary weird feathers and stuff and and they decorate their their nests and stuff so uh, and well yeah the, of course and the whole the animal world we're all we're all animals in a way and uh, we're all being creative in our own little way, which um, brings me to the fact that we've reached the uh, thirty minutes. <laughs> uh, oh, so soon! Jeez. Well, we we can have an extension of ten minutes, but then it has to be really, really, really interesting and profound, and we have to reach a conclusion. Also, by the way, so um, okay. first of all, we have to come up with what what, what is the actual question? Very Dutch when it comes to the conclusion bit. I know. Who cares? I'm Dutch, and, and you're you're well, whatever. Do with it whatever you want. We're all free, and um, you know. And so, anyway, um, first of all, what's the question? Does, does anybody know? No. Oh. Did we have some questions? Mm, well, the, the 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 role of creativity is is there such is it is it is it is being an artist uh, relevant in the in the world of tomorrow? Um. Yes. An emphatic yes, because yes. it is 
because artistry and creativity is part of the natural cycle. It's part of our existence, whether we are human or whether we are another species. You know, it's funny you mentioned those birds, because when we were talking, I, I, I remember seeing in the documentary the birds that make these bowers hmm. for their mate, to attract a mate, and they separate different seeds and different flower petals and different colors. And, and the question of aesthetic came to mind right. when we were having a conversation about the difference between something we can per- perceive humanly in the animal kingdom that equates and relates to creativity and aesthetic. Um, but I, I, I think that it's there if we, if we look for it. And, you know, the way a bear uh, pads its cave to be comfortable for the winter, those, those involve aesthetics as well. And so I think it's part of the natural cycle and it's unavoidable. When you take a walk through the, the countryside here, you see it in in every part of nature, mm. right? And that's the sensibility we all have. So yes, I think it's essential. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I absolutely agree. In fact, what came to mind for some bizarre reason, as you as you were talking, Henry, was um, I remember reading Charles Darwin's book. Um, on on the production of leaf mold, which mm-hmm. was his bestseller before he sold uh, the Origin of Species, and in the production of leaf mold, what he's studying were were earthworms, and right. um, he came to the conclusion. I think it's in chapter four of um, having watched these worms in their natural habitat. He, he came to the conclusion that he was or, or, an experiment rather that he he would put little bits of leaf, prickly leaves, outside the caves of the, or the, the earthworms' holes. And um, what he found was that the worms were kind of playful. They would push the prickly leaves to the holes of the other worms. And, they would, and then he put little jewelry, little gemstones, little rolled roll bits of stones near the, near the earth's holes, earthworm holes. And discovered, lo and behold, that the worm was bring these down inside the chambers and sort of stuffed them into the earthworm chambers because he had the, like a glass wall on it so he could see inside. It, was, it wasn't under the ground. It wasn't like digging underneath. He was holding them in one of these wormeries. Right. So he could watch them and he watched these worms bring them down and then put the little stones in, like, almost like arrange them, especially in the places inside these, these tunnels in these cavities where they spent most of their time. Anyway, Darwin's dis- Darwin's conclusion was that, yeah, this is innate creative activity and that these things are behaving in, uh, in a creative way, just like, in differently but similar in a sense to what we do. And I think it's there embodied in everything. It's, it's really fascinating, yeah. I feel, uh, I feel a bit like... It's a mystic side to where we go next as well, we can't help but be artists. That's what I think it leads us to think. Say that again, sorry? I don't think we have a choice. I think we, oh. we, we it's not something we can consciously not be. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Although we hear it a lot, don't we? I remember coming back to the yeah. from from living abroad my whole childhood. I came back to the States. 
and hearing these phrases like, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Have you ever heard anyone say that? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That, I want to do a. I want to find out who said it first and why it went viral <laughs> before viral was viral. I I tell you a story though, just just very quickly. Absolutely embodies that. It was recently the Chancellor of the Exchequer here in Britain or in England um, put an advert out publicly that had a picture of a ballerina, and it said. Um, she doesn't know this yet, but she will soon be a coder, as in a, a, a computer coder, because the job scene for the ballerinas is so dreadful at the moment that they're having to look for work in other situations. And it kind of backfired because people then started saying, yeah, I'm a coder and I want to become a ballerina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but boy, did it illustrate that point. You know, I haven't got a creative bone in my body. Just talk to politicians, you know, the, uh, they're the only embodiment I can think of it in the universe that probably shows that there are some places that are devoid of any creative spark. You know. Yeah. Well, it's there. It's well, there we go. Slab of concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Busted up. Every bone in your body is creative, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> in fact, it regenerates itself every seven years. Unless you're an earthworm, because they don't have any bones, I think. No, do they? No, they don't. I don't. No, the bones. No. So anyway, but um, well, thank you very much. It's wonderful, um, wonderful experience. Thank you for having uh, for uh, being with us, thank Henry. You, Henry, and thank joining you for us for me. this uh, beautiful show. It was, it was, it was, it was mind blowing, and. Um, and it'll set the standard, I guess, for next for the next shows. <laughs> so thank you all, and uh, you. goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye bye. Having me. Bye. Bye bye. 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 bye.